Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is one of the most inspirational and extraordinary, just badass guys I have had on this, probably by far, which is saying a lot, not to downgrade anybody else, but to literally be known as one of the most interesting men in the world is a uh, of something that most people don't get to uh, see next to their name in writing. So Dean Carnassus, who is the ultra marathon man himself, known as Carno within his circles, literally is the guy who holds the record for like the most consecutive running in a row it's crazy running many ultra marathons over 100 miles the amount of stuff that i wanted to go into some specifics on some of the races but i didn't really want to steal any thunder from any of the books because i really liked going through it and figuring out what was going to happen what the different roles and the people in his races and in his life and in his family were going to play who was going to come through who wasn't so man i just was really impressed not only with him he came as a recommendation to my business partner who is not easily impressed with people and was like, you need to get this guy on. And he was just so cool about coming on. And the more I read about him, the more I researched him, the more amazing it was to be able to actually connect and interview and speak one-on-one with a guy like Dean is, is incredible. I mean, the the mental toughness that you would need to have to do the things that he's done, the resiliency, the self-doubt, the physical grueling torture, the training, the, the diets, the sacrifice, I mean... It's everything we talk about on this show for everything we do from entrepreneurship to athletics on a million time more extreme level where it's literally life and death. So at the age of almost 60 now, doing the stuff that he's doing is just incredible. So check out his books, check out the show notes. And uh, I I couldn't have been more excited to talk to the guy. Uh, I wish I would have five hours to talk to him and I hope I did a good job. I, I had so many questions I wanted to get to, but I really wanted to hear him tell his tale and I wanted to pick and choose wisely. So you guys could have uh, some stuff to listen to, too. And uh, I love it. I didn't realize we we're going to go into it. But the way he transitioned and we started talking about how he was taking his background, which was initially in business and then turned to athletics, and how he has now used that within the circles that we have and, and the stuff we talk about on this podcast every single week was really awesome to talk about not only the running ultra marathon. So if you're listening and going, why would I want to listen to the guy talk about running? Obviously, you don't get it. The mindset, the shift, the struggles of bringing your A game to everything, those principles of success and self-talk and self self-doubt and overcoming obstacles apply to everything. So people who are the top performers in their sport, in their career, in their business, whatever it is, if you don't see the parallels to how that can translate to you and your life and your business, you are missing the whole point of this podcast. So hopefully you see that. But if you don't, he actually literally brought a full circle when he talked about the business side of him and how he was able to figure out how to monetize and build a brand and literally put food on the table and build a financial future doing the thing that he loves, which is ultra marathon running, which obviously... Don't think they set up 401ks, IRAs, any of those types of things. You're not getting a weekly paycheck. So everybody from jujitsu athletes, MMA fighters, new entrepreneurs, business owners, authors, podcast hosts, real estate investors across the board, this man has a really good game plan to figure things out. He's almost like uh, him and Gordon Ryan kind of figured out a way to uh, monetize across multiple platforms and find ways to get their name out there and get paid a bunch of money to do what they love and then pave that way for everybody else in their field. So take notes. Take uh, some time, read up on him, check out his books, check out all the things he's doing. If you have stages or uh, events that you want him to speak on, please check the show notes and, and check him out because the guy is just, again, one of the most inspirational people I have ever come across. So thank you so much for coming on, Dean. Thank you so much for being such a good guy, writing such great books and inspiring such people to do amazing things just as yourself. As usual, to keep bringing amazing guests like Dean onto the show, please go to nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S on that link site. You will be able to see all the ways to subscribe to this podcast. We're on everything from YouTube to all the platforms you can think about. Please subscribe. Also, all the links to follow us on social media from Instagram to TikTok, all the different things in there. Please follow along with that as well. The way you pay the show fee is to just interact on social media and subscribe to the podcast. So that way, when I post clips of Dean for this episode, you guys can like it, share it, 
comment on it, give it a little fist bump, a thumbs up, whatever it is you do to let Dean know that you watch the episode, you like the clips, and we can continue to keep bringing you A-game podcast, A-game guests. So please, takes two seconds, you're following along on social media anyway, hit the like button, comment, and uh, help us grow and spread the show and the message of the guests. Also, real estate. This is the biggest thing. How do we invest together? I'm looking to buy properties. So if you have properties that look like they could be money makers, text me and let's talk about it. If you are looking to acquire properties that you would like me to sell you or help you find from commercial to residential to fix and flips to buy and holes to land to whatever it is, text me as well. And if you have no idea what you want to do, you just know that you want to get into real estate and somehow maybe partner up together with me to get into your first deal or your next deal, text me. The best way to do that, just text the word real estate for any of those options to 516-540-5733. Again, text the word real estate to 516-540-5733 and we can start that conversation. Also, if you're a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets and get a free checklist on all the ways to bring more value to your buyers, whether you're, again, an agent, a wholesaler, or a broker. Thank you so much for listening to the A-Game Podcast, man. Thank you so much for Dean for coming on. And I want to wake me up, make my way up to North California. I might have to grab your eye a favor, baby Jeremy Black, and we might have to go take this fine gentleman out to dinner. And uh, that's the coolest thing about this podcast, is just the connections that you've made behind the mic and then in person now that the world is open back up. So I appreciate everybody for helping me do this. I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you, Dean. Have a great day, everybody. A-Game Podcast. Okay, today we have one of the most incredible and inspirational guests we have ever had on this podcast. He went from getting an MBA and heading down a career path in business and then had an epiphany at the age of 30 on his birthday and is now an athlete and ultra marathon runner who has pushed the mental and physical limits of the human mind and body for over 30 years now. He is most well-known for being the human to run the longest without stopping and is named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. He's done such insane and amazing things as 300 plus marathons, 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states, ran Death Valley in the middle of the summer, ran from California to New York City, ran on a treadmill suspended over Times Square for over 24 hours, ran the Silk Road, the road to Sparta, completed 10 times and even won the world's toughest foot race, the Badwater Ultra Marathon, won an SP. 3SPN, three-time winner of the Endurance Athlete of the Year, twice carried the Olympic torch, recipient of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Lifetime Achievement Award, New York Times bestselling author, wrote multiple books, and we are here to discuss today his most recent book, A Runner's High, My Life in Motion, which I recently completed, and I thought it was outstanding. He's been on all seven continents twice, competitive surfer, keynote speaker, ran around the world naked, entrepreneur, investor, son, husband, and the father of somebody with one of the best names ever. I might be biased to the name Nick or Nicholas, the ultra marathon man, Carno. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Mr. Dean Carnassus. <laughs> I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> I'm exhausted just listening to it. Yeah. Well, I, that says a lot from the man who never gets exhausted. <laughs> But let me let me, uh, let me clarify the running around the world naked bit because people hear that and they scratch the side of their head. But um, I, I ran a marathon to the South Pole, and at the South Pole, there's a candy striped barber pole, literally like outside of a barber shop. And a guy came up to me and said, "You know, if you run around that pole, you're circumnavigating the globe just at its smallest <laughs> circumference." And he said, "Why don't you run around the world naked?" <laughs> So I, uh, I stripped down and um, did a very quick lap because it was minus 35 degrees, but I, I ran around the South Pole. <laughs> and, and That's that really kind of cool. I, I, most of the other stuff, I, I've, um, I've done a lot of research on you, listened to a lot of your stuff. Obviously, I read some of your books. And uh, that was one story I actually hadn't heard when I read them. I was like, huh, I wonder what that actually was. So that's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So for people who aren't 100% familiar with you, I'm sure it's going to be extremely hard to do with the amount of stuff you've done in your background. But can you give like a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in uh, Southern California, you know, in a working class family, and I used to love to run when I was a kid and then gave it up in high school. I just thought, you know, we won the uh, the league championships in cross country, and I thought, all right, that's as far as I'm going to take my running career. Uh, you know, I went through college, I went through graduate school, I went through business school, and on my 30th birthday, I was in a, in a nightclub, you know, in a bar in San Francisco doing what a lot of people do on their 30th birthday. I was in there drinking with my buddies. <laughs> And uh, at midnight, I told him I was leaving. And I said, well, you know, where are you going? Uh, it's your 30th birthday. Let's have another round of tequila to celebrate. And I said, no, I'm going to run 30 miles right now to celebrate instead. And they looked at me and said, but you're not a runner. You're drunk. <laughs> I said, I am, but I'm still going to do it. 
And I literally walked out of the bar. I'll never forget. I didn't own running gear, but I had on these comfortable silk underwear, these like silk boxer shorts. So I peeled off my pants and threw them down the alleyway and just stumbled off into the night heading south, knowing there's a town called Half Moon Bay that was 30 miles away. And, you know, I sobered up about 10 miles down the road and I thought, <laughs> what the hell am I doing? It's a very bad idea, but something just seemed right. Um, it felt like maybe for the first time in my life, I was doing what I was kind of put on, on earth to do. So I made it 30 miles and uh, called my wife who came and picked me up and I told her I was going to quit my corporate job and become uh, a runner. And 30 years later, I'm somehow still making, <laughs> making a living doing it. Man, that's absolutely incredible. You, you touch on a, a pretty interesting thing here. So coming, coming from the entrepreneur real estate background, there's, there's time after time I hear people that'll come in and I'll say, I want to do this. I want to follow my passion. I want to just invest in real estate, focus on this full time. And they have a spouse or a business partner that is, is very unsupportive. So being that that is probably a new one I haven't heard before is I want to quit my, uh, my background with an MBA to go run uh, ultra marathons. What was the initial reaction when you first told her that? Yeah, you got to know my wife. I mean, she was my high school sweetheart. And um, she looked at me and she said, you know, I wonder what took you so long. So she was incredibly supportive. And I, I got to preface that by saying, you know, she was pregnant with our, our first child. You know, I had this uh, very comfortable corporate job. I was a marketing executive. I had a, you know, fat paycheck, stock options. I had a company car, a brand new Lexus. Uh, you know, I had 401k matching, I had uh, healthcare through the company, and I was going to throw all that away to somehow make a living as, as an ultra marathoner. And she just believed in me and, and more so than I believed in myself. And somehow I pieced it together and kept the lights on, paid the bills, put food on the table and, and it all worked out. That's incredible, man. Look, looking through that after the amount of people now you've talked to or come across in your life and just having a background pushing the limits on stuff. I always tell people I would almost rather them, especially on the business side, come from a supportive inner circle and no money than a bunch of money and a bunch of people who don't support them or believe in them. Cause it's, it's very hard to deal with like negativity and all that kind of stuff. When you're, when you're doing something that's already kind of off the beaten path, how important do you think it is to success of having those people that are around you that are supportive? I think it's instrumental. I mean, having a supportive family, um, you know, especially when you're getting knocked down, which happens a lot, uh, is, you know, they, they help pick you back up. They help, you know, you maintain your morale. Um, you know, in what I did, there was really no career path. I mean, there was no, you know, you get a license, you know, you, you hang your, your hat with, uh, with a firm and you become a realtor. I mean, for me, I was like, well, you win an ultra marathon, you get a, a medal around your neck or a belt buckle. You know, there's no cash prize. So, uh, you know, how are you going to pay the bills? And so I had to kind of use, you know, you hear about a lot of athletes saying, well, here are the lessons from athletics that transfer to business. I took some of the lessons from business from, you know, uh, my career as an executive and, you know, my MBA, and I applied them to making a career as a, a competitive ultra marathoner. So that was a, you know, there, there was really no roadmap for doing that. I had to kind of make it up as I went. So that's such an interesting angle because that's always on when I talk to athletes of what have you learned from athletics or sometimes military guys that transferred over to entrepreneurship and business. And you're saying the opposite now. So I would love to hear what types of things did translate from your business background that helped you be successful in the ultra marathon world. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, nowadays we call it branding. So, you know, figuring out what your brand stood for. Uh, your brand ethos, um, and, you know, building everything you do around that. So, you know, to me, it was um, stick to you know, grittiness, uh, perseverance, endurance, all of those themes, which, you know, are very translatable to, to business. So I, I, you know, I said, these are the things that ultra marathoning um, really uh, embodies, uh, you know, can you take those themes and market them somehow? So I put together some keynote, you know, presentations because I had a corporate background. So I thought maybe I can do uh, talks and talk about, you know, the, the lessons from running hundreds of miles. You know, how, how do you get through the low points? How do you deal with obstacles? How do you overcome adversity and make those into business lessons? So that was one thing I did. Um, you know, the other thing is that, 
uh, I knew that there had to be multiple sources of, of revenue of income because, you know, like I said, winning a race got you nowhere. So I thought maybe, you know, write a book, maybe you can write an interesting book and get royalties off of that. And, and that seemed to work out. You know, I thought if I could take the path of least resistance uh, to make a living and, you know, feed my family, that would be the path I would, cho I would choose. So I ended up with some really good sponsors like Hammer Nutrition being one of them. Uh, I use their product anyway. And I thought I can help promote their products because I use it authentically. And, you know, the partnership has been has been beautiful in that regard. I mean, I, you know, I've grown as an athlete and they've grown right along with me. So those are some of the things I learned, you know, from my business training that I applied to athletics. That's really cool, man. And it's so, it's so on brand, so to speak, with uh, kind of what we're doing here, because the I just had a conversation with another one of my buddies that was on here and he's a marketing guy. And everybody goes, well, I, I want to really uh, huge YouTube channel. I want a ton of subscribers. Okay. Well then what? Well, I also want like all these followers on TikTok, and I want all these potters on Instagram. It's like, okay, well then what? Like we can make that happen. It's going to cost you money to do. We're going to have to put time in like, what are you going to do with it after that? And I think too many people, they want to be like a name or an influencer, but they don't realize that there has to be a business behind that. There's got to be a way to monetize it. And I think the way you're talking about it is you looked at multiple different ways to come in and take something that was your passion, build a brand from it and monetize it across multiple platforms, which uh, I think business lessons for entrepreneurs living like, and listening to this is huge. That that to me is like the epitome of what people are missing when they're trying to grow in the age of social media is figuring out ahead of time, how do I grow this out? How about I roadmap this to, to be something that I can actually put meat on the table, put food on the table, take care of my family and still do what I love. Yeah, I think, you know, real estate is a tough game. It's it's a real tough game and you've got to be gritty. You've got to be, you know, per, you've got to persevere. I mean, it's you get shut down a lot and it's really competitive and the barriers to entry are not that high. So I think if I was going to enter the game, I would say, you know, what particularly, what's my specialty? Like, you know, what is my niche that I can own in real estate? And I think I would personally just, you know, market to runners. I know what runners want in a property, at least a, a residential property, you know, I, and I, I, you know, I, we own some real estate in a, a small portfolio and I found all of the houses, including the one I live in now from running, I would literally run around the streets and look at different properties on Sunday at open houses to see which ones got the right sort of light, you know, which ones had the right view. Uh, and so I think that, you know, I would build a, my real estate platform around that and market specifically to other runners because, you know, runners relate to runners. Um, you know, there's this sort of shared empathy that, you know, suffering uh, brings people together. And, you know, if you've ever run a, a marathon or a half marathon, you kind of have a kindred relationship because you know how tough it was. So I, I think if I was trying to build a career in real estate now, I would look at who I am and what I stand for and what, what little niche can I own? Man, I think that's incredible because that, that's literally the angle I started playing with this is jiu-jitsu guys and MMA guys that are in real estate or want to use that to get into real estate. And there's a probably the most well-known jiu-jitsu guy right now in the world is this guy, Gordon Ryan. And it's exactly like you're saying is he used it, but he built a brand off of it. And he's he's literally bringing all types of new eyes into it. And he's he's bought it to the point now from what he's done that it's brought enough attention that people can now follow him in those steps. And it's allowed people to be able to actually make a living just being a jujitsu fighter. And I feel like as the ultra marathon stuffs grow, you're filling that same niche of finding ways of like, if this is what you want to do, here's the roadmap of how you can still do it and build it into a business. And I, I think, like you said, niching, niching to what you know and your authenticity is an easy connection because you already have the rapport. Yeah. And, you know, um, we talked about this a bit before the interview, but um, I was saying that my wife was a dentist and uh, she sold the practice, she retired, and she decided she wanted to be a realtor. So she got a realtor's license and has been practicing real estate for the past couple of years. And, you know, I've watched the real estate market with, <laughs> as many people have, uh, with, um, you know, great enthusiasm, the highs and the lows, and, you know, the changes in interest rates. And it is a dynamic, um, constantly in flux uh, uh, market, even though it's, you know, it, it's a very, uh, traditional and almost stodgy business in some ways, but, um, you know, getting your clientele built up is, is an art and, and, uh, and it's not an easy art. And I really admire successful realtors. 
Well, I think, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So I think a lot of the principles that you talked about in your book are regardless of what it is, you you focus on it, you you take one step at a time, you keep your, like you said, per, persevering forward and you be tenacious in your goals. And there, there's so many good takeaways for not only running, but life that I got from your book that really, I think, apply to to just ma- being the best person you can. And there's a lot of that that I think are are relevant for people today, especially in a time where Everything was so good, so good, so good. Everybody was talking about, you can't miss, you can't miss. And now over the last few months, you turn on the TV and it's recession and interest rates and things are tough. And I, I think coming back to whatever it is, whether you're trying to finish a marathon, whether you're trying to compete in a competitive real estate market or on a jiu-jitsu mat, mental toughness is one of the most important traits you need to have to be successful in anything. And I've, I've heard you talk about uh, one of the common questions people ask you is, what have you learned from your failures. And, you know, I tell people sometimes I've learned more from the real estate deals that I, I did not do that did not go through than the ones that I did. So I know there was some races that you got DNFs on, and I would love to hear a little bit more about what did you learn from some of your, your quote unquote failures, not failures, but you know, some, some of the tougher times, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I I think, (laughs) I think I have a famous quote that says, um, you know, failure teaches you many things, uh, but mostly that failure really sucks. (laughs) Nobody likes to fail. And I hate it more than anybody. And I think that if you're, you know, if you don't hate losing, you're never going to win. So I really hate failing. And um, you're right. I I learned so much when the wheels come off and I can't make it. And, you know, I'll say that I've run hundreds of races on all seven continents. And there's only been a handful where I've dropped out. And kind of my threshold is where I think I might be doing actual bodily damage where that could be long term. And that to me is kind of like when I cross that point, uh, I, I pull myself out and it's only happened a few times, but um, you know, it, it just gets, it comes back to preparation. You know, you just, you cannot skimp in your preparation. There's no shortcuts. There's no uh, path of least resistance to success. You've just got to pay your dues and you've got to do the hard work. I think a lot of people are not willing to hustle, you know I mean? a successful realtor is hustling. I mean, it is a nonstop pursuit and you've got to love it and you've got to be passionate about it and you've got to have that hustle. So, you know, I've learned that um, uh, the, the main thing is that uh, when things get tough, you keep going. And, you know, I think Winston Churchill had the quote, you know, when you're going through hell, keep going. So what do I do when I'm going through hell? Um, you know, people say, what do you think about when things get tough? And, Personally, I think um, that thinking is the problem, that you need to turn off your mind and you need to execute. Uh, with running, it's, it's very easy to do. I just say to myself, you know, take your next footstep to the best of your ability. Take your next footstep to the best of your ability. You don't, don't think about how much further it is to the finish line. Don't reflect on the past. Just be the best you can be in this present moment of time in the here and now. And, you know, rarely are we in the here and now. I mean, even, you know, even when you and I are discussing this topic, our minds are so active. I mean, we're thinking about a thousand things at once. And if you can quiet your mind somehow and just focus on what you're doing at that moment, you can get through some really, really deep and low points in life. I love that whole analogy that I've heard you echo about not looking at the finish line, looking at the step in front of you, because I think too many people focus on on that. You know, they want to see the end goal. And I, one of my buddies, every time I say like, hey, jiu-jitsu is a journey, business is a journey, he says, no, it's not. It's an adventure because a journey has an ending. You know, and like you said, you'll always be a runner. So one of the things that I've found to be uh, just game-changing for me is when you get across circles of people that think on the same level as you, those are the ones that help celebrate your wins and, and get you across that finish line. Because if you don't believe in yourself, having somebody in your community that you're watching do the same thing, that you know what they're going through. And I know there was a lot of stories in your books about people that you've come along with either at the, at the aid stops or at the um, or just along the trails or people that you've you've met from earlier races that you wind up coming in there later. So how much has the the camaraderie or the community of ultra marathon runners helped push you or like made a role in you getting to these amazing successful feats and finishing these races and picking you up when you felt beaten down? (laughs) That's an interesting question. And, you know, uh, I probably have one of the most interesting answers because it's, it's been kind of a bizarre turn of events with social media. 
uh, you know, in, in the earlier days, um, I'd come into an aid station at say, you know, 60 or 70 miles along a hundred mile foot race. And the people were just, they were there for you. They were so supportive. Uh, they were doing everything they could to get you, you know, moving along to keep you fueled, keep you hydrated, keep you warm, keep you going, keep you enthusiastic. And, you know, nowadays, <laughs> I mean, I, I ran a 100-kilometer race this past weekend a couple of days ago, which is 62 miles. And I remember coming into this aid station at mile 50, and I mean, I was beat to shit. I'm, you know, I was, I've been running for I think, you know, 10 or 11 hours at that point, and I just wanted to sit down and chill. And this family was there, and they all just had knew me, and the 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 dad and mom both read my books, and they had books they wanted me to sign, and the kids had printed out like little pictures of me from, you know, from the internet and they wanted me to autograph their pictures. So it's, it's cut both ways. I mean, I was exhausted and, you know, I just, I kind of, um, you know, lifted myself up and said, you know, bring your energy to this one. And I did a, a book signing and a photo session <laughs> midway through an ultra marathon. And it, it's endearing. I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice when you're feeling refreshed and energetic, you know, when you're just, dead and all you want to do is crawl under a rock you know to to smile and say hello to kids it's it's tough but um that's kind of become my new challenge as i've you know progressed in my career because i'm you know I'm, let's face it i'm i'm not ending up on the podiums uh, like i was before if you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon whether you're beginner intermediate or advanced any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and puts, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknick.com slash links, you'll see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I think what you're doing is incredible just in general, but the fact that you're still doing it at your age successfully, you got a great head of hair. I know your wife was a dentist, but you got great teeth there for you guys watching on YouTube. You know that at one point, you know, cause the, you know, father times undefeated is what they say, but you're, you're always a runner. You know what I mean? Like, so it's in you like that. And I'm interested to see as times have changed now and the world's just evolved, you know, again, I, I see it in jujitsu. I see it in real estate that technology has changed a lot of the things that have cut a lot of the curves or made things a little bit more adaptable so you can take things to another level or science has come around and we found things that have helped us perform better that we didn't know before or even just the modern athlete man you know these guys that come up and they literally just say i'm just gonna grow up and be an ultra marathon or like they're like they know it from an earlier age so on your side of that what type of stuff has changed to evolve the sport or the athlete in general with technology and science over the last 5 10 15 years yeah, I mean, with the advent of the GPS, um, you know, I mean, literally, you can go run in the wilderness. And, um, you know, I've got this watch where uh, I don't even have to look up like if I if I veer off the course, it alerts me like, hey, you're off the course, where before I'd sometimes spend five or six hours like bushwhacking, trying to file find a trail marker in the middle of the night, you know, which was kind of exciting to me that was kind of adventurous now, kind of that guesswork is out of it. So in some ways, it's, you know, ultra marathon to me was all about adventure. It's about exploration, about uh, learning who you are, as well as learning about the landscape you're passing through. Um, you know, now there's an element of, of racing in it. It's become more competitive. It's become more about a race. And it's lost to me some of the, the charm. You know, when you view running 100 miles as, as a competitive race, you're kind of missing the point. I mean, I think, you know, when you do an ultra marathon, maybe five percent of the people there are you know hoping to to win the race if even that most are just hoping to to get to the finish line and to have an incredible experience along the way so i think that um it's been you know technology has been both uh, good and bad um to me the adventure element uh is still what i live for i mean running is such a diverse sport you know there's there's folks that run a hundred meter dash and they're a very different athlete than me that runs a hundred miles at a time you know, then there are people that run like 10,000 meters, like Olympians, and then there are marathon runners. And then there's people, 
Yeah, and most of this stuff is done on a, an organized track or at least a road. And then there's ultra marathoners that, you know, might run for two or three days at a time without stopping. And it's a completely different sort of challenge in this different sort of beast. And, you know, you can say to someone, yeah, I ran, I ran a, to a non-runner, I ran a sub three hour marathon. And they might say to you, wow, that's amazing. And then the next breath might be, well, how far is a marathon? <laughs> But when you say to someone, yeah, I just ran 100 miles, it's it's very identifiable because everyone has kind of run and they kind of know how far a mile is or they've driven 100 miles and they just think, how is that humanly possible? Like that, it, and when I heard about a person running 100 miles, I thought that there's trickery involved. There might be bikes or <laughs> hotels along the way, but it's very expansive. It just breaks down um, mental limitations when people hear about this because they think, if a human can run 100 miles, what other feats can a human achieve where I've put limitations on it before? Man, that is so well said. And it's the perfect segue into the next thing I was going to say is that one of your quotes is that you think uh, success is defined by fulfilling your potential. And man, I, I just, I think that's so amazing. And I think looking at that when people go, oh, you know, some people just getting their running shoes on. And we're going to talk about those running shoes in the background at some point, too, because I keep looking at those over there. Yeah, but just even getting their running yeah. shoes on or getting out or just exercising on any level. Like before I met a uh, shout out to my buddy, Frank McKinney, that you might know he's ran some bad waters as well. Oh, yeah. Real Frank. estate rockstar guy. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, he's yeah. He's a, an old longtime friend and a guy I really admire. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'll definitely, uh, I, I got to tell him I had you on, but you know, I didn't even know that ultra marathons existed until I, I heard about it from him. And then you see Goggins and all these guys. So I think when you see somebody can do something, then you go, Oh, that can be done. It's like, you know, the, the old story of Roger Bannister, the guy who broke the, the four mile record. So I do think what we believe is possible without getting around circles that show you what's really possible and breaking these boundaries and having these amazing inspirational people like you, we're all living so far below our potential. So I'd love to hear, like, where does that ever stop for you? You know, there's like you being the guy that is the barometer for like, this is what's possible. Where do you look to get more inspiration? You know, I still look inward and I still try to be the best me that I can be. And, you know, as I've progressed in my career, you know, now it's, it's just finishing races. <laughs> and, you know, how many years longer can I keep doing this? is my challenge. So longevity has become kind of my mission is make myself last and stay healthy and strong. So, you know, in, in 30 years of running ultra marathons, um, I've never had a, an injury. And I really pride myself on that. So I do all the hard work to cross train uh, so that my whole body is prepared to take on the rigors of running these, you know, these really pounding and physically demanding sort of endeavors. So, you know, my challenge now is how do I last I mean, it's, it's absurd to think that I'm still kind of relevant in doing these things at 60 years old. I mean, can you imagine an MMA fighter at 60 years old getting in a ring? No. With a younger, I mean, it, there's just no way. You know, I mean, you hear about these, you know, tennis players that are making it to their, you know, 40s, and which is amazing. And then there's a guy who's 60 years old who's like right next to him on these lists of like the 50 fittest people on earth. And no one has yet said like, how is this Carnassus guy still on these lists? I mean, he's he's 60 years old. They just kind of say, oh, there's Carnassus again. He's, you know, he's, he's on that list as well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't tell people about my age. And I, I think a lot of people still haven't said, hey, God, he's, he's doing this after that many years. They're saying, hey, he's still doing it. So what, what are some of the things, you know, because we do have a lot of athletes that listen to this, some uh, UFC champions and guys like that. And more and more, we're starting to see that that really is the, you know, I don't fight, I don't get paid. How do I prolong, like aside from the brand building thing we talked about, you know, how do I prolong my health? So while I'm beating up my body every day, I can continue to do it further. So what are some tips and tricks that have allowed you to do such an incredible thing at that age? Because not having an injury is insane. Yeah, well, one thing that I never do is something that I see you're doing right now. I never sit down. So you can see I'm standing right now. So I have a commitment, like if I'm not traveling and don't have to sit down from the moment I get out of bed in the morning until the moment I lay back down, I, I never sit down. So try it a couple of days a week. Just say, you know, if you're working from the home, uh, set up your desk at standing level, don't sit and bounce up and down on your toes. 
So always moving around, you know, uh, deep knee bends and such throughout the course of the day, uh, as well as I do HIIT training. So this, you know, high intensity interval training with just my body weight. And I do um, this routine that's maybe 12 to 14 minutes. And it's, you know, it's, it's basic body weight stuff, push-ups, um, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, chair dips, and burpees. And I cycle those throughout the course of the day. So like right before the interview, I just went and did a set and I'll do a set after the interview. And I probably do that, you know, like I said, four or five times throughout the day, as well as my, my regular running training. That's incredible. So is, is a day off for you like 20 miles? <laughs> <laughs> uh, go for like a it's, quick it's not, um, what I'm learning now, as I've gotten older, it's not, it's not about uh, uh, quantity, it's about quality. So, you know, because I ran, like I said, this 62 mile race um, and just finished uh, a couple of days ago, uh, you know, today I'll be a shorter run, but at a higher tempo. So, you know, the, the, to me, the, the faster you can run and the, the more you can um, really elevate your heart rate, uh, the better the return on your, you know, your, your fitness investment. I love that, you know, and uh, something I think is a, a very interesting point that you brought up. Some of my friends that have done things, you know, they won, won a Super Bowl, won a UFC title, did an amazing real estate deal. They hit these goals. And then when you get there, there's this sense of like almost depression and a loss of identity. And just you're kind of in this weird space that's kind of uncomfortable. And there's a almost a, a come down from it. And I've heard you talk about the pulse ultra come down. And I think one of the things in the book you were talking about is Nike taunts, just do it. But like, once you did it, now what? So <laughs> I, I think people chase that. And it's something you don't hear enough about is when you do achieve like a major goal like that, that as amazing as it is, sometimes there's this like, just strange void now after that. And a lot of people don't necessarily, they're not prepared for that. And they don't really know how to handle that. They don't know, you know, it just, it seems so backwards. You feel like you go celebrate for the next couple of weeks, but it's really not what happens. I think it's why after a fighter wins a fight, you think he's going to go get fat and drunk for three months and he's back in the gym on Monday, you know, same thing. You just ran a hundred mile race. So talk a little bit about like achieving your goal and having that quote unquote post soldier come down. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, um, you know, I, I don't think there are any easy ways to continually reinvent yourself. Um, but to me, you know, being always um, in good physical shape, to me, it starts with the physical body, because, you know, if no matter what sport you're in, there's going to be a point where you're just no longer competitive. So what do you do at that point? And, you know, if you can turn to your health and the lessons you've learned through your discipline and nutrition, whatever it might be, your workout routine, uh, if that's your interest, you can forge, you know, a, a career path that way. Um, you know, I always look at a, guys like um, Laird Hamilton. I don't know if you know the name Laird Hamilton. He's uh, like one of the fit, most famous surfers in the world, but he know, he doesn't win contests. I mean, he just said, I'm, I, I don't care about winning contests. I'm going to go just surf the biggest waves in the world. And he made a career out of that. And then he started doing, uh, you know, underwater workouts because he said, you know, as a surfer, <laughs> you got to hold your breath for a long time. And he came up with this incredible routine of under, you know, these, these pool workouts. And there's another guy um, that I really admire. His name is Rich Roll. He was uh, an ultra marathoner and he, you know, he's, he became a, a very famous uh, podcaster. So he has one of the, you know, the top rated podcasts uh, in the world, I think now. So he kind of used his, you know, his background as a, as an endurance athlete and segued into a, a near new career path. And he's, you know, he's, he's used all those basic tenants of, of, you know, of success, which is just, you know, you get up every morning and you do the hard work, uh, the persistence, and he's really made a go of it. So I, I just think that, you know, when you start getting toward the end of a career like that, or a sport like that, uh, you need to look inward and just say, you know, if I was to wake up tomorrow morning, and had to reinvent who I am and what I'm doing, what would that look like? And just spitball, just write a couple of, you know, freehand paragraphs. Well, I'd be doing this and I'd be doing that. And, you know, I'd be driving this kind of car and I'd have this and this and this. And at least then, you, you know, you know where you want to go, because if you don't know where you want to go, you're never going to get there. <laughs> I love that. You know, I tell people all the time, you, you can't put one side of a, a destination or a starting point in a GPS and get anywhere. You have to know where you are and where you want to go. 
and then that's how the the, the map gets right right out. So I do love that. And uh, you know, I think another thing that is very relevant, just sports, life, business, and everything, is I've heard you say that the magic is in the misery and the struggle. And some people avoid hardships and struggle in life, and some people seek that kind of thing. And you know, there there's times. Just like, a, you know, you're in the middle of a real estate deal and you're like, well, I, I'm the one who signed this contract. And like the common theme I always see with like my fighter buddies is as soon as the cage door locks, we look around and we go, there's nobody to blame for this, but ourselves, you know, so it's like kind of the same thing. Like you're in the middle of the night, your shoes are wet. You're, you're, you know, 20 miles in on a hundred mile marathon here. You chose that. Like what goes through your head when it's like the middle of the night and you're halfway through and you realize you haven't even hit that halfway point. Like, do you have those thoughts of like, yeah, maybe I, I, this was a bad decision. Yeah. I mean, I just say embrace the suck, um, which is a, you know, a term I love. And yeah, I mean, it happened to me this past weekend. I mean, there were many moments where I just thought this is, this is horrible. I mean, you're, you're hypothermic, you know, you're, you're, um, you're cramping, you know, you need new shoes, you're wet. And I thought, have you ever been this bad before? And I thought, yeah, there was a point when I, I did this hundred miler earlier this year in Patagonia and it was snowing. So at least it's not snowing, you know, you're in California. So I was thankful for that. And, and then I've learned just to, um, to really celebrate the full range of human emotions. Um, you know, I just say, can you get lower than this low? Like, can it get worse than this? And if it does, that's glorious because you're going to a new low. You've certainly hit a lot of highs and that's wonderful. You celebrate, you high five, you have a glass of champagne, but this is a new low, you know, do the same thing. Celebrate this new low. Like this really sucks. Like this is horrible and it's, it's just miserable. And this is fantastic. I love it. Dude, that's such great advice. And I, you know, I, I think that that part of it is such an important takeaway from this whole interview because I think people assume like you're an ultra marathon runner, which means you get up at 4.30, you throw your shoes on and you're like so excited to wake up when the snooze button goes off and all hundred miles, you're like smiles and sunshine from start to finish. And I think the same way, like people go, oh, you know, I, I wanted to diet, but oops, I ate good for three days. And then I had a cookie. Now I failed. It's like, no, you like, you got a little bit off course, but you got to keep going because the race isn't over yet. And I think that's the thing that people miss is they don't realize that everybody has those same hurdles and struggles and stumbles along the way. And it's totally normal. You, you shake it off, you get back on, you just keep going. And you are going to have those points. Even you being like literally Superman, there's times during the race where you have that self-doubt and that insecurity. But like you said, you've been there before and you learn to control those emotions. And there's, there's things in my life that have motivated me from different points. And I know for myself, I've heard you say as well, regret is one of the things that pushes you to push forward on that kind of stuff. So I'd love to hear about how you use regret as a motivator to keep going when things get tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you don't have regret, you haven't lived, right. <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, the, the only thing I have more than regrets is, um, you know, is, is sorrow for my regrets uh, and the sins I, I you know, committed, but um, you know, regret is a powerful reminder that when you get in that same situation next time around, you don't want those same emotions. So you do things better. You, you do things differently. And, you know, we can all look backwards and say, gosh, I wish I would have done this. And I wish I would have done that. And those I think can be um, very good reminders of how to, how to move forward. Like, I don't want to feel like this before that I made a really bad decision and I'm paying the price for it. And the next decision I make, you know, an hour from now or a minute from now or two days from now is not going to mirror that same bad decision I made that I'm regretful for. So again, regret is like failure. If you, if you don't learn from it, then it really is a, a true failure. I absolutely love that, man. That's, that's so well said. One of the things we touched on was not hitting your true potential. You have people that always have hopes and dreams. You know, I, I've heard in like so many different studies and clips and posts and things like that. Like hey, at the end of your life, it's the things that you didn't do that you're going to regret, not the things you did. But, you know, looking back on that, like what what do you think it is about human nature or habits or just psychology in general that do keep people from ever really achieving even close to their potential? I think it's fear, honestly. And I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't. I, re I really don't think that um, uh, people uh, are afraid to fail. They're afraid of the fear of failing. So failure doesn't stop people. It's the fear of failure that that prevents them from even trying something. 
and I see that time and time again. And like I said, as much as I love my wife and as much as she has supported me, she has certain fears that are self-limiting. And I point those out to her all the time. And she's learning from that. But I think that people fear they're going to make a mistake or they fear that things are going to go wrong and, and, and they don't try. Where to me, I just try and when shit goes wrong, I learn from it <laughs> and I try again. That's incredible, man. So talking about battle scars, you know, everybody's got them, but anybody that catches this after on YouTube, those shoes behind you, those, those are some battle scars right there. Wh which race are those from? Yeah. So I, uh, I, one time I ran across America and I was actually uh, on a show called uh, live with Regis and Kelly. It was a morning show and they were kind of televising this thing the whole, t whole way. And when I got to the finish, uh, my crew took my shoes. I didn't know this, and they had them bronzed. So this thing's that 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 weighs like fifty pounds. That thing, actually <laughs> running shoes that were dipped in bronze. So I, I this is such a, a, a more of a technical nerd type question, but I just I'm so curious. So like I, I man, I have trouble finding the pizza place a few blocks away. Like I was literally joking with my partner, who's actually the one shout out to her that uh, connected me with you. Cause she's like, man, this guy's so amazing. And she's not easily impressed, man. And she's blown away with you. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of her setting me up with you. But I told her about how you ran from Disney in California to New York city. And we were like, how does somebody even map that out? Like what goes into figuring out like where you're supposed to run? Where like, we, I wouldn't even know where that process begins. Yeah. Well, I, I've got a lot of experience doing this and, um, I've done it, you know, before there was technology and so crazy. Uh, I literally, I, one time I ran this, this is going to sound crazy. I ran from, from Manhattan to uh, St. Louis. So I ran <laughs> about 1500 miles and I was pushing a, a jog stroller with all my stuff in there, like a baby stroller, one of those running baby strollers. So I had all my gear and everything in there. And I was just self-navigating, just knowing that I wanted to get from the East coast to the West coast and that the sun sets in the west. So just look for the roads that head toward the trajectory of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I navigated. Do you travel with like mace or like, you know, stuff? And I know you come across bears and coyotes and dogs and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had encounters for sure. And, um, you know, the, the worst are actually wild dogs. So, you know, when I run in other countries, um, there are packs of wild dogs and, and they really scare me. So, uh, thankfully I've, you know, I've only had a couple incidents, but, um, you know, I, I don't think about it too much and maybe that's a bad thing, but you know, I mean, part of the thrill, I think of being and doing an ultra marathon is, you, you know, you're out there in the wilderness and you see animals and you hear shit. And, you know, I think that's, that's uh, it's kind of thrilling. It's kind of where we came from as a species. And we're so far removed from that these days that we, we never get that sensation. And, you know, feeling like you're being hunted by something uh, elevates your heart rate like nothing else. Dude, it's, it's I'm laughing because you're like, hey, I read once from uh, Manhattan to St. Louis. And like my crazy story is one time I took an Uber from Chicago to Tennessee. <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing I'm bragging about. You're literally like, yeah, I could have run that. Even, even like talking about it, you're getting hunted. Like I, I look at the Australian spiders. I know you lived in Australia for a little bit, like on TikTok. And I'm like, man, I couldn't be, I can't even watch those videos, let alone like run through a, an Australian forest and have one of those things near me, man. I, I don't know how you do it. Dude. You're a special breed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Australia, yeah. The, the snakes in Australia are the ones too. I mean, the snakes here in California, I mean, I think that they're, they're somewhat passive. The, like the brown snakes in Australia, they, they hunt you. So <laughs> oh. I've, I've run across the outback and it's, it is pretty hairy. Yeah. That's insane, man. So one more question that I definitely want to touch on the book, but I started reading an article. I'm definitely going to mispronounce this, but lactate dehydrogenase syndrome. Is that well, you, you were tested for that, but I don't, I don't recall hearing kind of what they, what they found in there. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you work out and you're really pushing your muscles and you feel that kind of fatigue where you're just like at the final rep, say you're doing bicep curls and you just start feeling that burn and you just cannot lift your bicep again. You, it's basically the, the buildup of lactic acid. And you know, if you put the, uh, the dumbbell down, you kind of shake your arm out and you pick it back up you can do a couple more curls. And then that same cycle happens again and again. 
And if you could neutralize that lactic acid, theoretically, you could just keep doing bicep curls. You would never have to stop. And they've tested me for the ability to, to buffer lactic acid. And, you know, they just said it's, it's off the charts and it's maybe something genetic. You know, they, at, a, at a certain pace, I could just, if I was getting enough fuel, theoretically, you could just keep running forever. Man, that's so crazy. Being the physical specimen that you are, is there any other like interesting tests or things that they've had? I mean, I imagine like people are enamored with trying to figure out like how, how do we take like the best parts of Dean and put them into society? You know? Uh, well, you know, I'm 100% Greek. So I think, um, you know, my hereditaries, my heredity is from one specific area of Greece, and it's where the original marathoner came from, actually. Uh, and my mom is from an island called um, Ikaria. I don't know if you, have you heard of the Blue Zones. Only because I've heard you talk about it a little bit, but that was the first I've heard of it. Yeah, the Blue Zones are um, these areas across the world where the indigenous population lives to be the longest. And this island my mom comes from that has the highest concentration of centenarians, people that have lived beyond 100. So there might be something to do with that. But, you know, I, I was there this last summer and you're having cogent conversations with men and women that are, you know, 103, 104, 105. And they're, I mean, they're up at, at the crack of dawn. They're working in their garden all day and they're walking probably five or six miles a day uh, still at that age. That's incredible, man. See, that's it's kind of stuff that inspires me. It's like, you know, I, I hit 40 and I'm like, oh, you know, I'll slow it down. I'm like, no, man, let's speed it up. There's still plenty of time to do this stuff. So I think that's really cool, man. Talking about a runner's high, life in motion. Um, I loved this book, man. I the I, I listened to a bunch of interviews and some of the hosts spoiled some of the stuff. So I'm like being very careful not to bring up some of the points of it because I want people that are reading it to really go through it. But I have to say the way you use your words to draw the picture it really makes you feel like you're in your, and I, I left an Amazon review about it, but I feel like I'm in your like wet, muddied, sweaty, wet shoes the whole time, like every step of the way, like what you're feeling, the way you're thinking about the people around you. And you really do an incredible job of taking people on that journey. And that's, that's a skill in itself is being able to not only do what you do, but then be, be able to paint that vision and tell that tale. I, th I think it's just incredible, man. I very much enjoyed the book. I highly recommend it. So talk a little bit about that book, why you wrote it, and just a little bit about some maybe in insights of uh, of that amazing book that you just did. Yeah, I mean, writing to me is, um, you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So it's, it's, it's tough. Writing is real tough because you're in your head a lot and you need to keep the story. I wanted the story to be propelling. Like my, my goal is from the first sentence, the reader is hooked and it's enjoyable. So, you know, I get messages from people saying, you know, a guy said, you know, I was going to read a couple of chapters of your book last night before bed. And six hours later, I finished the book. And, and then he said, I got out of bed and I went for a run. I just had to. And that really makes me happy. Like, I feel like I've succeeded. So to keep the story propelled, you know, keep it propulsive, uh, you, you can't do what's called looping. You can't really reflect too much on the past because it takes the person out of the moment. And like you said, I try to put you in the moment so that you feel what I'm feeling. And to do that, you also, I've learned as a writer, you engage all of the senses. So you talk about what it smelled like, you know, what it felt like, what it tasted like, what it sounded like. So I describe all these things. And you probably, when you read the book, you don't, you don't know I'm consciously trying to incorporate these things. I just pepper them in throughout the story. And it's a way of really putting someone in your shoes. So uh, thank you for saying that I succeeded on that level because it's something I, consciously set out to do you know i i realized i i love the book anyway but when i realized how great a job you did about putting me in your shoes is the last couple of chapters as i was reading them and you didn't really know what was going to happen and i found myself like getting choked up at some of the points you know what i mean of just like oh like that's how i was like man he really did a great job of like triggering the emotion because i felt it at the end that i like i put it down and i was like wow like that was that was intense and you really I mean, you are literally there in that journey. Books, don't, movies will get me like that sometimes because they have sound and stuff like that. But you really have to do a good job to get me emotional during reading. And man, you you 100% did. So I'm I'm excited about it, but I was also a little mad at you. But uh, now I'm okay. <laughs> okay with it. But man, it was so good. And then I just I, like wrote to Sparta, that whole thing. I know we're out of time, but 
I didn't even realize like the backstory of like what that was. And that's where the marathons came from. And like, then you did that. Like the man, I just, I, I can't push enough that people need to hear more about you and check out all your books. And so they can hear about all the amazing races and experiences. Cause we can go on another three hours about like just the people you've come across, the food you've eaten, the, I, I knew you were my guy when you ordered a pizza to the race, just, just, just <laughs> that, was a, that was definitely one. Well, you know, um, what's really striking me as you're talking is uh, how curious your mind is. So that's something I never really talked about. But uh, you're obviously, you, your interests are diverse and you're curious. And I think keeping that sense of curiosity keeps you young and it keeps things fresh. So uh, bravo to you. You probably don't think about how curious your mind is, but I really notice that because I, I do a lot of podcasts. And um, you, you just, you, you really pay attention and you, you're, you're, you ask good questions and you're very curious. I, I appreciate that, man. You're, you're a, a very easy guy to be curious about. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll turn that back on you, but speak, speaking of kind of, yeah. speaking yeah. of kind of what's happening, you know, again, I don't want to take up your whole day. You've been very calm with your time, but I also heard you uh, say what matters most is continuing the journey. And that's what living is all about. So what is next for the journey for you, sir? Well, I'm, uh, I'm working with another buddy who's a, an ultra marathoner, Charlie Engel, and we're planning to run from the lowest point on earth to the highest point on earth. <laughs> <laughs> so every, you probably know the highest point on earth. And it's, people, when I ask them, what's the highest point on earth? They think it's a trick question, but it, it's, it's Mount Everest. And we're not really going to run up Mount Everest. I mean, we're going to run as, as far as we can, maybe to high camp. Uh, and then, you know, obviously trek to the top, but uh, from the Dead Sea, we're trying to run uh, to Mount Everest. So we're planning that for probably the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. And and that's what's next. That's incredible, man. I did hear about that. I was actually telling my business partner about that. I was like, you'll never believe what's next on there. I think that's incredible, man. Another thing, just as a kind of a kudos to you. So I heard you say, if I had influenced one individual to put on a pair of uh, runners and hit that trail, it was all worthwhile. And I have a, a buddy named Lawrence Dunning. He's a uh, former professional fighter, a guy who made millions of dollars, lost it all, made it all back, reinvented himself, moved to the States, um, became a jiu-jitsu black belt, and now is just – he's such a good guy. And the thing that blew me away is he, he runs like crazy – crazy for the normal person, not for you. But I watched him, and his goal was to be the first American jiu-jitsu black belt to run marathons on all seven continents, and he's done that. And so I texted him the other day and I go, Hey man, have you, have you heard of this guy? He goes, heard of them. He's like, I've read every single one of his books. I'm his biggest fan. He goes, and all the running stuff you've seen me do all that whole thing about the marathons. The only reason I ever did that was because Dean is the guy that inspired me to go after that and do that. So you are a hundred percent what has made Lawrence done his thing today. And I know um, he'd love to interview sometime too, man, but like, that's one of the most inspirational guys in my circles. And you're the person who is a hundred percent influenced him. I'm just glad he still likes me after doing all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's, he's a big fan, sir, as am I. Yeah. So as anybody uh, looking to connect with you, maybe somebody who wants to, you know, maybe do some sort of sponsorships, get you on podcasts, get you on platforms, and you're doing some keynote speaking and stuff like that now, talk the way our audience can help you or the way our audience can connect with you, the ways to find you. Yeah, I mean, just Google my name. Someone said if you type in Dean in Google, I'm like the first Dean that comes up, so... <laughs> if you want to reach out to me, I've got a website, you know, I'm on social media. Um, I'm not hard to find, but yeah, I mean, I always love running with people and people say, you know, what would it take to to run with you? I'm like, show up at Ross common park <laughs> at 5 PM and let's go for a run. So I love sharing footsteps with other people and uh, mostly uh, runners are just, they're good, decent folks. So it's, it's always a pleasure for me to meet new people. That's awesome, man. And uh, social media, all that kind of stuff, like websites, books, where, where's like the best place for that? Yeah, uh, just go to um, my website. Uh, ultra, it's Ultra Marathon or Ultra Marathon Man or just DeanCarnassus.com. Um, but again, if you just type in Dean Carnassus in Google, I think my website is the first thing that comes up. And then I've got links to uh, my books and social media and all that right there. That's awesome, man. And what I'm going to do when this episode comes out is I'll, I'll do a giveaway too, and I'll buy a bunch of books and give them out to listeners and stuff like that and help push it because I, th I thought it was incredible, man. I, I very much enjoyed it. And I very much enjoyed this podcast as well. You, sir, are somebody who brings your A-game to everything you do in this interview has been no different. Any final thoughts before I let you go today? <laughs> I need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting tight. No, I, my, you know, my, my, my final thought is that um, 
everyone should run a marathon. And I know a lot of you watching this or listening saying, oh, there's just, there's no way I could run a marathon. It'd be impossible. And that's why you got to run a marathon because you, you'll do something impossible and it'll prove to you that nothing is impossible. So go online, look up, look up uh, a marathon that uh, in a city you want to run and, and sign up and good luck. Man, thank you so much. This was incredible for me. I, I very much enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed your books and I'll definitely continue to follow your journey. In your own words, before I let you go, I wish you everlasting strength and endurance. Long may you run, sir. Dean Carnassus, ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic day. Thank you, sir. So what's it feel like?